Hello and welcome to the first ski pod of 2020. No New Year's resolutions from us, just the same old ski chat, so don't worry about that, people. Um, the ski podcast is supported by Switzerland Tourism. Um, in Switzerland, Ian, um, you're never more than one hour away from a ski resort. I mean, it's not an official fact, it's just one that I think I've worked out using Google Maps, but I'd like to thank Switzerland Tourism anyway for their support and their amazing skiing that they've got. Um, I am Jim Duncan, and let me introduce you to the co-host of the show. It's Ian Martin. Hello, Ian. Good morning, Jim. Did you like my fact? It's good one. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's a fact, but I mean, I believe it. I'm willing to believe it. Could be even less, I mean, though, couldn't it? I mean, what, what's the furthest you could get away? I looked, and well, Basel seems to be the the furthest away from a ski resort, but you can still get to one in an hour. That's kind of ba- what I based my research. Okay. On. Well, you know, that's the kind of hard hitting facts you get on the ski podcast. Absolutely. So yeah, if you're in Switzerland, you can never that far away from. Um, the chance to get skiing. Um, coming up in today's show, we'll obviously talk about skiing. We're going to talk about snowboard magazines. We're going to be talking about ice, Lazark, and we're going to be talking about other ski podcasts. You can contact the show at the Ski Podcast on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. You can go to our website, theskipodcast.com, or email Jim at theskipodcast.com or Ian at theskipodcast.com. Loads of ways to get in touch and you know tell us what you think. And don't forget, at the end of the show, if you're a new person, subscribe. Um, Ian, you remember the uh, last week I went to to Villa or yes. last month? I yeah, Villa. yeah, last episode. Um, on my way up the mountain, um, I noticed there were yeah there were a lot of signs um, for the Youth uh-huh. Olympics. Do you know what the Youth Olympics are, Ian? Can you tell me? Um, well, yeah, I can. Youth, Youth Olympic Games are taking place. The reason I think you would have seen them is that they're in Lausanne, which is not far as the crow flies, or even if you drive on the uh, the north side of Lake Geneva. And uh, the, the Winter Youth Olympics are, um, I think all athletes have to be between 15 and 18, maybe. Um, it's the okay. 2019, no, that's not right. <laughs> it's the 2020, yeah, 20, 2020 uh, it takes place between January the 9th and the 22nd. Yeah, in 2020, get, my, get, get a grip. Yeah, and um, yeah, taking place very near to there. Will you be going over to have a look? Well, I was thinking, actually, um, I am going um, on a trip to uh, Switzerland um, in that area on the last week. So I might pop up to the um, the Villars area where they're having that Alpine, I think. Or is it the... the oh, no, it's the um, freestyle section. So I could pop up on my way um, to have a look. Okay, yeah. excellent. I think it, tickets are free by the looks of it. I just need to register, so I need to make sure I do that. Yeah, well, brilliant. Well, I mean, previously, some of the athletes that we've had there have done very well because Katie Summerhays, who you might have uh, heard of, she's had top 10 finishes uh, at the, the the real Olympics, <laughs> the uh, the adult Olympics. I didn't sound right. Uh, but uh, she previously competed in the uh, in the Youth Olympic Games and, and done very well. And I think I, I did do... Uh, a little bit of, I say, a bit of research. I got a press release from the BOA uh, about it. But you know, we've got some um, decent uh, competitors uh, heading out there. I think I'm trying to remember how big the uh, the team is, but um, as you would expect, uh, we've got quite a few who uh, you know, take place in uh, taking part in all different uh, disciplines. Curling. There's a bunch of uh, who would have thought that young people would do curling. I thought it was reserved for. You know, for a bit like bowling, your retirement. 
Ah, but the key thing there, Ian, if you do it young, the same with, with bowls, not bowling, I think you're getting confused, 10 pin. Um, yes, with sorry. bowls, it's, it's really good to get in there young because that's when you get the sponsorship. And it's got a big viewership figures, so a young person does very well. Same with um, uh, uh, croquet as well. If you can get in, in young into these sports, there's a, there's a huge chance that you'll do very well and um, get, make some serious cash. Okay, well, we've got a, uh, a bowling team, uh, oh, done it again, curling team taking part. Uh, ice That's hockey team out it? there. Yeah, um, speed skiing, ski jumping, I noticed. Now, we talked about ski jumping before because apparently the, the Team GB, um, regular, if you're a regular listener to the show, you know that Jim doesn't like us bringing in people from overseas. Uh, but this guy is called Sam Bolton. He's taking part. Maybe sound like a, a bigot. <laughs> He's born in 2002. Uh, does that make him 17, probably? Anyway, his hometown is Calgary in Canada. So my guess is he's probably got one Canadian parent, one British parent, and he's joined the uh, the British ski jumping team. And obviously we haven't had a... Well, we've only ever had one ski jumper, I think. That was that bloke. What was his name again? Uh, Kevin the Kestrel. That's him, Kevin the Kestrel, who we interviewed in a in a previous episode. But anyway, we've got the ski jumper. But if you're looking for a medal prospect, um, taking part in, is it Kirsty, Kirsty Muir, um, freestyle skier. Uh, she's going to be taking part and she's already extremely good. I think she's only 15 uh, years old, but she's already been uh, winning. Um, well, I think she... Uh, she's already finished in the top 10 in the World Junior Championships before and she's been on the Europa Cup which is a bit like the championship to the Premiership for the World Cup so I would expect her to do um, very well so watch out for her as well as the rest of the uh, British team If you win um, an actual real Olympic medal and you're still in the age bracket are you allowed to go back and compete at the Youth Olympics do you think? Yeah good question Uh, you probably could if you wanted to but I think uh, they probably don't Okay. Well, it's, well. So there we go. Um, interesting stuff. Uh, and all he, he used to ask you at the beginning of the show every time if you've been skiing. Have you been skiing since we last spoke? Uh, no, I haven't. I've been in the in the UK since we last spoke. So uh, I will be going out again uh, later this month. I'm heading out to Courchevel to take part in a in a race called the Rock Merlet Derby. Which is oh, I've heard of that. Down, yeah, downhill type race. Uh, yeah, looking forward to that one. But yeah, that won't be for a few weeks. So uh, sadly, what about you? Have you been out on the snow? Yeah, I've been out quite a bit. Mainly family skiing because um, obviously it's half term, um, Christmas holidays. So we're looking after the children, um, and it's quite busy. Really busy this year, like um, busier than last year, which obviously has something about the snow conditions. I think. Ah, well, actually, um, I did read that. Um, I think I tweeted about this on Skipedia the other day. Um, French ski resorts have reported an, uh, a 3% year-on-year increase of occupancy during uh, the Christmas holidays. Did it feel like there were three? Did it feel like there were three percent more people on the slopes since last um, year? I'd say, well, uh, yeah, and on the roads as well. So, yeah, I'll, I'll support that fact here. It's hard to know, isn't right? It? And and you, and I you should get one of those little in... clickers that bounces out the door and just stand there. And compare <laughs> yeah, it and year. you were skiing in uh, Les Minuire and um, Grand Bonard. Uh, not Les Minuire, Grand Bonard, yeah, and uh, the Cluser as well. 
Um, I was going to go, we talked about last time, that I was going to um, try and get, because um, I went to Italy for Christmas, um, and I was going to try and get a, a, run, a few slopes in on the way back up the yes. Easter Valley. But I decided, I decided on the way there, Ian, that I would uh, save myself some pennies and go down the bottom of the Tarantes and up into uh, Italy, um, past... Uh, uh, Milan and Turin or wherever I wanted to go to and I didn't realise there was a tunnel down there as well and I thought I'll avoid the, the 56 euros in the, the, the Mont Blanc tunnel but there's the Freges tunnel didn't know about that did I? Okay that's not and, in the bottom uh, of the Valley though that's further down isn't it? Well when I say um, you know it's the bottom um, of the Tarantes area okay. isn't it? and then you, you come to right. the end of that not the actual valley no. Maybe I mean um, what's it called? Uh, the Vanois um, National Park. Yeah. So got with the Vanois. But National I'm Park, I'm, I'm the... glad you didn't kind of rely on um, GPS because you do get plenty of people, um, you know, looking at them out thinking, oh yeah, you can just like drive over there, um, without considering that all of those passes are closed during the winter. Yeah, I do that. But um, I was I really wanted to go to one particular place in Aosta on my way back. Um, yeah. But I didn't go. But I found someone who is skiing there at the moment, and they're gonna, oh, yeah. gonna get. A, I'm gonna get a report from them, and we can have that in a, a future episode. Okay. Um, what what we particular t- place was it? Was it Cormier? Yeah, but I don't want to reveal Ian why it's so exciting <laughs> that I want to talk about it. Don't, okay. don't ruin it. Um, right. I think um, I wanted to talk about the last episode as well because we talked yeah. a lot about um, driving in snow, didn't we? Yes. And um, since then, uh, I've managed to get myself stuck in some snow, taking Ooh, none of my own yeah. advice. Um, I was in a car park in uh, the Grand Bonon trying to park. Um, and yeah. this used to be a very helpful car park, and I parked in it quite a lot. Um, but uh, the last, uh, at the beginning of the winter, they had this big um, World Cup biathlon event. And there's a big stadium still up. They haven't taken it down um, just yet. And this car park was turned, I think, into a changing facility at one point. Um, lots of digging up, put uh, television cables in, so you know, big, you know, temporary infrastructure. So I went in the car park and I was like, oh, there's a space, one space left. I was really pleased. And I reversed, I reversed, and then suddenly I, I went through a crack of ice and I was stuck in a massive, muddy puddle. Um, uh, it took me quite a long time to get out. Uh, I had to get snow chains on um, and about um, 15 people to push out of this hole. So, um, you know, that's that's what's happened to me since we've had a nice chat about driving on the snow. Yeah, although driving on snow and being in, stuck in a, a, a kind of car park uh, with massive potholes, they're different different things, but very unfortunate, relying on the help of others to get out. Well, what I'm trying to say is, in um, to add to my thing last time, is check that it's not a big puddle and uh, <laughs> it's it's a solid bit of ice that you're driving onto that's my top yeah. tip there okay well that's a good tip we can we can re- refer people on in the show notes <laughs> um uh, what have we got next year oh yeah let's uh, chat about this um another uh, survey another bullshit survey you want to bring up well yeah i mean these you know pr again i'm not going to say but the headline is brits consume over 2 kilos of cheese each on ski holidays uh, not counting La Crete, uh, can't even talk, raclette. Uh, two kilos of cheese, that's a lot. Do you eat a lot of cheese? Yeah, I don't think this is a bullshit survey. I think this is absolutely genuine. Um, what, first you eat three? Yeah, I do. Go on. I'm fully on. So, to start with, this is based on a Club Med survey. And, oh, you uh, credited them, and I said it was uh, a bullshit. But go on, Club Med survey, yeah. 
Well, I think you've got to credit them to to get the full um, scope of this because right in Club Med, it's obviously endless food. You have um, buffet lunch, buffet dinner, and buffet breakfast, and each one of those buffets has a, a an absolute shed load of cheese from margarine of cheese on the, on the counter. So you know, I'm a big cheese fan, and if I even if I didn't need it. And I went for lunch. I'd go, oh, just have a little bit of this cheese. Mm. And do the same at dinner time. And, you know, I live here. And on average, I buy a kilo of reblish on a week that me and my daughter each. I mean, if I was on holiday, I'd have a fondue. That's 300 grams. Um, I have quite a few cheese baguettes. I'd probably have at least two pizzas. Um, and, you know, if I was just on holiday, I would buy some Beaufort. I'd buy some Comte. I mean, it's not un- unusual for me right now to go down to the um farto cheese shop and get myself uh like yeah a kilo of reblochon half a kilo of beaufort and half a kilo of tommy um most weeks so i think eating two kilos of cheese a week on a ski holiday is absolutely on the money maybe maybe even less for some people I guess the point you're making there is if you are staying in club med and it's all inclusive and you tend to think oh well you know i'll have that because uh um, you know, there's there's loads of it available on the buffet. I'll just go up and serve some more because it can be a bit moreish, I suppose. Uh, cheese, but it still seems like a lot to me. Two hundred kilos of cheese and three hundred grams of raclette per week. But there you go. Uh, They've got publicity. We've just given them some more publicity. Uh, you know, yeah, Club Med free you, cheese boards. Why would you not go there? Go to Club <laughs> Med. Free cheese boards everywhere. <laughs> I mean, I'd like a free holiday at a Club Med, please. Free cheese boards. Um, right, you've been talking to someone very cool here. Tell me more about this. Uh, yeah, well, Chris, uh, Chris Moran, uh, we had a little chat in the last episode about White Lines magazine. And we, well, I basically talked to him about loads of other uh, stuff. So much so that we're going to do our own, uh, a separate kind of standalone episode of the podcast. to be the, the first uh, that we've done of this, specifically just all the different pieces we talked about in the interviews about the White Lines a reissue about how Chris was uh, the first ever rider to feature on the cover, cover number one um, of White Lines. You know, he was the uh, the model, I suppose. He explains to me um, the difference between a cab five and a cab nine. Uh, I'm still struggling a bit on that, but <laughs> other sort of things about how for the Brits, you know, back in the day, they used to uh, have to dig out their own half pipe. There were none of these fancy... Uh, piece bashes you see now with the, the the big arc on the side for carving out uh pipes and you know are you talking you about um it? british people having to dig their own half pipe or are you talking yeah. about the competition the brits the british people doing it for the brits competition the uh right. the championships having to dig out their own half pipe and yeah in the days when there there wasn't any slope style he talks a lot about the bad old days of snowboarding those days when snowboarders had a certain reputation that doesn't um, perhaps apply anymore. But yeah, you know, all of that will come out. And I think we've got, I've got a little kind of teaser, short little uh, uh, bit of that that we can listen to now. So just continuing uh, my chat with uh, Chris Moran about, you know, the, the bad old days of snowboarding. Days. <laughs> but you, um, I think I'm right in saying, are a kind of multiple British champion in, in different events, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um... I, I was just saying, actually, you know, my, my little boy asked me what, what I'd won, and I actually don't have a list of what I'd won. So right. I wish I did, but um, it, it would, wouldn't be sure. That, you know, I don't yeah. know exactly how many. I think I maybe won 
something like maybe 10 or 15 British Championships titles of various things over yeah. the years, something like that maybe. Um, but as I said, in 97, that was when I kind of went to the, the Brit, that was in, it was in Les Arts, Yeah. and I won everything that I entered, which, and I oh, thought, done. it's not going to get, well, <laughs> do you know, the, the main reason for that is because my main uh, competitive rival, although it was my best friend, was Steve Bailey. Right. And we rode everywhere together. Yeah. He generally beat me. I beat him sometimes, but most of the time, he, and he was a bit better than me. You know? Yeah. He was the one that dragged me and uh, uh, our group. He, he dragged us uh, to be better. It's quite a nice little introduction to him. Um, if you don't know much about him, he's got, yeah, he's a very interesting chap. He's, he, he has really made um, a big impact on the UK snowboard scene. For sure, yeah, for sure. Really interesting. <laughs> yeah, I could have talked as as you'll know, as you'll hear if you listen to that standalone episode. We actually had to turn the microphone off because there were some bits that we talked about at the end there that couldn't really broadcast, and that was very, very interesting. Maybe you know, one day we'll uh, find a way of including those. <laughs> um, is it, when is it, when is this episode out, Ian? Well, that's a good question. Um, during January, I think is what we'll say during january so keep an eye out for that in your feed um i've actually been doing quite a bit of snowboarding as well myself can you believe that have you yeah. no um i mean you know i know you're a man of many talents uh, uh jim cross-country skiing uh, as well but you've been snowboarding this season yeah um the, the first time i went out with some um friends who are out here staying and it was their first time so i said you know i'll teach them it was a bit of a white out and i didn't we went out um, and uh, it was the first time I'd been for quite a while and there was a few incidents. Um, one one member of the group fell off the the chairlift. I think they're outside the door listening. I don't I don't want to talk too loudly about them in. <laughs> one of them fell off a chairlift. Can you believe that? <laughs> right uh, at the top. Well, when you're a beginner snowboarder, it can happen. And then the other one made the biggest error I've ever heard of. We got, we, we were... I was teaching him and then I said, oh, I saw this nice little um, closed run that was, um, you know, pretty much untouched. And I was itching to see if I could still snowball properly. So it was a nice deep pounder and off I went. I said, oh, um, I'll go down. You go down this way. I'll loop round and I'll, I'll come and I'll come and meet you back up. And um, they said, all right, that's fine. So I, I looped round. Really nice bit of powder, nice carbon. Really enjoyed myself. Caught the chairlift back up and I come down the run that I was meant to find him on. Couldn't see him anywhere. Couldn't see him anywhere. So I thought, oh, maybe I'll just go back to the car because it was meant to be the last run. And I went further down, couldn't find him anywhere. Picked my phone up, oh, missed call. So I phoned back, no answer. Um, five minutes later, the phone call came through. Um, said, all right, where are you? He said, oh, I'm, I'm really close to you, actually. Um, when I answered the phone, I dropped my snowboard and it slid all the way down the mountain <laughs> to the road where the van is parked. Right. Okay. So yeah, quite. You know. Yeah. There was part of me that was part. Part of me was horrified. Part of me was embarrassed, and part of me thought it was very funny. Yeah. At least the snowboard didn't hit your van or hit anyone else. Well, it was was very close to the road. Yeah. I mean, it was. It wasn't just a short, like, five meter slide. It was. Now I know. I know you're whispering, but does your friend know that you do a podcast? They they might be a listener anyway. Oh, I don't think they are. Right. Well, do mention it to them because we're always welcome to have new listeners. <laughs> do you know what? I, I was episode forty-six would be a really good one. <laughs> I was looking. Oh no, they're not going to listen to this. Um, I was looking on the stats the other day actually, and, and I noticed that um, <clears throat> um, we had one dedicated listener in um, in 
in Chicago. Oh, yeah. And um, I've got a friend who regularly um, travels to Chicago for work. And I thought, yeah, it's probably him. So I sent him an email saying, oh, do you listen to him? I didn't start with that. I said, "Um, whereabouts in Chicago do you um, stay? And he said, oh, I stay in this area. And, you know, you can pinpoint it quite well on the on the stats and i was like, oh maybe it is and i said so oh, it must be you that's been listening to my podcast in chicago every week and he was like no no never listen to it mate <laughs> yeah real support well it's good to know if you listener other person in chicago we'd love to to hear from you um i know we have quite a lot of listeners in america do you want to talk about our american friends now oh no no yes not just yet Ian. we were going to talk about our oh. other our, our other friend Dave. right Okay, no problem. Let's talk about friend of the show, Dave. You met up with him recently, didn't you? That's right. Uh, last week, uh, when I was in Villars, um, I decided to find out um, the, if he could help me ski yeah. on ice. Um, so here's that chat I had with him on a chair. Um, so, Dave, I'm with, I'm with Dave from the Snow Pros Ski School. Uh, we are skiing over in... Um, Lady Ablery. Lady Ablery. I didn't want to say it because I always get to the phone like that. <laughs> Um, I've got a question for you, Dave, as yeah. always. Um, mm-hmm. As you know, I've been reading a thoroughly excellent book, uh, Inner Skier, which is about skiing really well and taking on board stuff and finding that natural beat, I think, is yeah. uh, what I take from that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you gave me the book. You lent it to me. I did. Give it back to you. Yeah, please, because I, I try to reread it every season, but I, uh, I haven't got a copy. I haven't there. got it this season, so I don't know what I'm going to teach you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there's a part in it where it talks about um, finding those patches of ice. Uh, and my question is two part. The first is, what is ice? Does it actually exist or is it a figment of our imagination? Mm. And when we hit it, obviously this book is about going with the flow and putting into practice, over, overriding your um, I- irrationality. Yeah. Um, but to override that, surely I must have an underlying knowledge of what I should do on that ice. Yeah, so, so you're right. So inner skiing sort of says when you come across that patch of ice, which is which has more slippery properties than regular snow, that you should sort of just go with the slide. That's sort of what it says. Um, but in order to do that, you've got to have the fundamental technique to be able to go with the slide, right? So grippy snow, grippy snow, if you can imagine, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sort of making interlocking things with my hands. That's how snowflakes work when they fall, when they fall and settle on mm-hmm. the ground. So snow bonds together. The manufactured snow, the snow that you see in so many resorts, um, is is essentially just water shot out of a cannon that freezes. And its property doesn't link. It's like a million little tiny ball bearings that are all together. So it doesn't have the grip properties that regular snow has. See what I mean? Yeah, I think I do. We're just about, listen, we're just about to come to the end of a, yeah, we'll a chairlift, so we're yeah. just going to ski here to the end. Um, so those we'll go uh, left. Okay, uh, nothing good, but actually falling over off the lift. <laughs> so those are uh, those little little ball bearings in effect offer you much much less grip than you would get from regular snow so that's often why you know you go let's say you go to a ski resort every half term or something like that you you're going to be skiing on a lot of manufactured snow or snow that has been skied over so many times and bashed back flat that it doesn't have that grippy property so in going with the slide what i mean is that 
you're going to have to use probably more edge angle than you would on equivalent fresh grippy snow. Okay. All right, because fresh grippy snow sort of supports your ski underneath your feet, whereas ball bearing snow or snow that's been constantly compacted has much less grip. And it just means that when you roll your ski over, if it was an equivalent edge angle, you slide further. Now, what they say by going with the slide means, yeah, okay, we're sliding. It's okay to slide. We can lose height down the hill still doing that. That's okay. But if I want to add an element of control into that more slippery surface, I'm going to need to add an increased edge angle. Now, how do I get more edge angle? Well, I'm just sort of sitting here with this so I can engage my ankles and my knees, maybe my hips slightly more into the turn. I can be slightly more into the inside of the turn. If I increase the edge angle, I increase the abilities of the ski to grip against that more slidey surface. That's essentially, that's the tech behind going with the slide. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna win, but I can tame it. Yeah. I'm still gonna, I'm gonna slide. Yeah. I'm never gonna dig in and make a, a competent turn on that. Or if I'm prepared for it, because that's the, if you're prepared the thing is, for it, yeah. the thing is, you you come across it and suddenly, ah, oh, yeah. By the time you've got past it, yeah, you can gain your composure. No one's going looking for it. Going, no. I'm keen for that. No, but but the thing is, I think is not to panic. You know, you are going to come across different textures of the snow unless you're in some sort of amazing resort where everything is the same. So skiing is a lot about adapting to conditions and, and feeling what's under your feet. You can see snow that's going to be more slippery. So you sort of look at it, if you've got your head up, your chin up, and you're not just looking at the, you know, the tips of your skis, look actively looking where you want to go, you've got a really, really good chance of saying, okay, well that bit of snow there is likely to be more slippery than, than this bit that I'm currently on. I'll expect that my skis aren't going to grip as much but I'm not going to panic when that happens. I'm going to expect, you know, the expectation solves all really. All right, well, I'm going to go and find some ice now, Dave, and uh, yeah. I mean, it's quite slushy today, so. It is quite slushy, what are we at? Eight degrees up here, it's not going to be, uh, I, don't, I don't feel we can find stuff, but let's go find a shady spot and we can go and explore it. All right, then. cool. Thanks, so basically, Dave. and what you're saying is there's no need to avoid ice runs, you've got to just go with the slide. Unfortunately, I know I said at the end we were going to go and find somewhere to do it, but uh, it was quite a warm day and there wasn't really anywhere we could um, test it out. But I have been, you know, using that mentally um, uh, the last few weeks. And, yeah, just go with it. It makes a difference. Do you like skiing so on ice, just... Ian? <laughs> I don't think anyone likes... Well, maybe racers. When I talked to Chemi Alcott, I think she said she really likes skiing on ice, but no one likes skiing on ice, do they? Surely. No, I think it's the. I don't. Do you know what? I don't. You know, as long as you can, if you tackle it and you, you can cope with it, it's all right. But it's the sound, isn't it? That's put, must. That's what puts you off, <laughs> isn't it? It's. It's just so. It, that's what scares me more than anything. Not the lack of control. It's like, and you're like, ah, no. Well, yeah. I, I, less that. I mean, I think you know, it's um, it's much more flattering to ski on a, a perfectly pasted piece of corduroy, isn't it, than to. To ski on ice. But can I just say something about friend of the show, Dave? Um, I, you know, I really like his uh, segments he does on the show, but he does do his own podcast, and uh, there's, there's room in the world to listen to more than one podcast. His podcast is called The Ski Instructor Podcast, and I don't often listen to it, 
because it's a bit too detailed for me. But he did do one recently um, about Simon, an interview with Simon Butler. You know Simon Butler? Yep. Yeah, well, I found it really interesting. You know, it's very long, but um, this guy, listener, if you don't know who he is, he's just quite influential in this big argument that's been going on for quite a while about whether British instructors are allowed to work uh, in the Alps. And um, it's worth a listen. Ski Instructor Podcast. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Uh, I'm sure he'll be very happy about that. I did actually send him an email to say what a good podcast I thought it was and how interesting I thought it was. All right. Um, you just said a minute ago that you didn't think that. You said it was too long and boring. No, they are long. You know, one hour 41 uh, minutes is a, is a long time. But, uh, you know, it was interesting to hear what Simon Butler had to say because he's been uh, in the news a lot about it. One hour 41, that's absolutely nothing, Ian. Just the other day, I was involved in a podcast that lasted, um, the, the, the actual record lasted an hour and 15 minutes, but the whole podcast is two hours long. Wow. Okay. What podcast is that, Jim? Uh, it's called the Highfalutin Ski Bum Podcast. And um, what were you, how, what was your involvement? <laughs> um, I got set up to have an interview chat with the guys, um, Mario and Brian. Um, uh, and we we talked for uh, about an hour and a half, I think it was, um, about my life, their life, skiing, podcasting, and they they pretty much stuck it out unedited. I think I might have got halfway through the own bit that I was talking in and thought oh, I've listened to this already. I was there. I might I might stop listening now. So I don't know if it was completely <laughs> unedited, but yeah, we spoke for at length. Um, and they're really nice guys. Like it's a nice podcast. It's really friendly. It's really open. You know, um, uh, there's room for discussion. They, we went off on lots of tangents. Uh, there was there was no structure to it. You know, um, it, it was really really a nice thing to do. Um, I thought I might stick a bit of it in here. Um, I've, I think I'll pick the most informative bit that we talked about, so we get some coverage about skiing um, in America. How does that sound, Ian? Yeah, it sounds good. Welcome, Highfalutin Ski Bump Podcast, episode number 192. It is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's up? Uh, feeling good. It's a, it's, it's a weekend podcast we're doing. It uh, feels a little strange, but good. Yeah, man, it's a weekend podcast. And what's cool is that we have already recorded today's main topic. And we did that early in the morning. First thing, that was a wake up, wake up recording. That was really interesting. Yeah. I like the timing of it because you kind of like, you're done and you're like, holy crap, I got the whole rest of the day. Yeah, we, we started, we had a great interview with Jim from the Ski Podcast over in, now he's British, but he currently lives in France, right near the Swiss border yeah. and lives a pretty cool life. And you guys can check out more of that if you go to the main topic. Wow. What about you guys? So how do you plan? How do you choose a trip? Like, do you choose um, somewhere because you want to go to ski that particular area? Or do you choose a ski resort because um, uh, it's got a big reputation? What do you go for? Or do you go for culture? I like the culture as part of, you know, I, I love seeing a nice little town and seeing the culture of people there. Um but I kind of choose, well, for me, I choose whatever the ski trips, whatever, if it's a big trip, um, if a ski club is running it, then I jump on it. 
a lot of times I target which places I want to go and then just see what comes up. Um, or just, you know, if uh, my buddies want to go somewhere, I'm like, yeah, that sounds pretty good, you know? Yeah, my thing is, too, like, lately, you know, we've been to a lot of the big places out west. You know, we've been to Jackson Hole. We've been to, you know, Vail, Lake Tahoe, places in Utah, Snowbird, Alta. Right now, I know I'm trying to find kind of some of the smaller places, some of the the more yeah. hidden gems, the ones that mm. are a little bit off the beaten path a bit, because that's where you find some of the most interesting people. I know you just, you know, you... The Bulgarian-themed want... resorts in the U.S. That's what we're looking for. I'm trying to find where is Bulgaria in the U.S. Like, that's the yeah. place I'm trying to go to. Maybe some little place out in Idaho or a place way Indiana. out in Montana. Yeah. Yeah. Indiana is probably more like uh, Portugal. <laughs> All right. It's kind of portugal in terms of... Portugal's one ski resort. I actually knew that, and you know why? Because when the World Cup you final was going on, well, besides that, I uh, <laughs> I looked it up during the World Cup final. I said, "Who am I going to root for?" I'm like, "Who has got more skiing?" That's how I based my who I was choosing to root for. Nice. So it was, you know, Portugal. I saw. Oh, they got one uh, place. I'm still who, trying to resurrect the Puerto Rican ski team. I figure I could be yeah, the good, good first cool. member. <laughs> You could be uh, the alone representative at the 2022 Olympics. That's right. Standing on the podium all alone. <laughs> I mean, you know, we know we have lots of listeners over in the uh, States. And I think it's interesting, uh, you know, reaching out to other other podcasters, uh, you know, out there, um, you know, bringing us together um, to what did Churchill say to to country i can't remember what he said something about uh, a common language dividing us but anyway bring us together um skiers podcasters from both sides of the ocean then if they want to listen to the rest of it they can um listen to it on the highfalutin ski one podcast there'll be obviously a link in the show notes and you can obviously go to the website they've got um, loads of other stuff they recently um went to a uh in the new indoor um ski slope in america and they went skiing with um lindsey vaughn no less did they wow yeah. there's a really nice picture of them with lindsey vaughn looking like proper goobers going oh i can't believe i'm, I'm touching lindsey vaughn yeah. okay so do you think that was more exciting to them than having you on their podcast oh no way yeah, <laughs> yeah okay lindsey vaughn no we take that we take that um, and what else do I want to say about them? Um, yeah, uh, the other thing about them, it's different in the way that, um, you know, they they don't focus so much on like um, the news and stuff like we do. Um, they, they are proper, you know, it's like a chairlift chat almost. They talk a lot about the different beer they've drunk. And um, I think they've got, based on the name, highfalutin um, they, there's a bit about um, legalizing marijuana in there on the odd occasion. You should have come on the podcast yeah, with us, Ian. Well, when I've listened before, I, I think they have talked about, you know, where different places that uh, you can pick up marijuana in ski resorts and things like that. Where can you? Well, in America, mainly. <laughs> where it's legal. But is it legal in America? Yeah, lots of states it's legal. It's legal in Colorado, I believe, and in California, and there are a lot of ski resorts in those two states. Well, you can just go to like a little shop and buy a spliff and smoke it in public. Yeah, absolutely, wow. yeah. Do you think you'd be better at skiing <laughs> after a, a big spliff or not? Uh, 
it, maybe that's what one we should test for another episode of the ski podcast. A, a, a live test. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I think I'd be worse. Under con- controlled circumstances. I know I'd be worse. <laughs> I'd just yeah. be stopping for I cheese. Mean... I'd be stopping for cheese and then I'd be really paranoid <laughs> that someone was going to hit me all the time. Yeah, you wouldn't want to do that test while staying at Club Med. You'd be way over your two kilograms of cheese. Oh, easily. I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't ski, to be honest. <laughs> I'd just be sat by the buffet, waiting for the next buffet. Right, well, there we go. That's that bit. Um, let's talk about some more, um, a different form of legalised drug that gets pushed out by the, the drug pushers at the Folly Deuce. <laughs> what an introduction. Yeah, they'll be pleased with that. How much are they paying for this spot? Uh, yeah, I think they, they uh, um, gave me lunch. Uh, you know, a disclaimer. I got was, that, was it a cheesy the lunch? The folly deuce. Uh, no, I think I had like um, a Caesar salad or something like that. I can't exactly remember now. And what I they... remember was it was very nice, and it was. I think I mentioned this in the in the last episode because we had a little interview with um, someone from Les Arc about the folly deuce. But uh, while I was there, um, I ended up chatting to this guy and I didn't realise until halfway through the conversation that he is actually the son of the founder so Luke Revesad uh, was the guy who founded the first uh, Folly Deuce in Val d'Isere and the man, his son is Arthur uh, who is managing the uh, the Folly Deuce in Les Arc and it was really interesting talking to him because you know now there are obviously Folly Deuce in well there's one in in Valizere, Meribel, Valterens, Saint-Gervais, Avoriaz, Outdoors and Les Arcs and Chamonix and you know how they've grown uh, all of this and it's still a family business so yeah we're just chatting to him about that really. All right well, let's listen to that now. Everybody liked it and I can tell you that dancers on a cruise ship they are not so good looking so it didn't really work well <laughs> yeah, and we, we started doing um, kind of auditions uh, once in, uh, in Paris and then in London and raised up the standard then we we found a first choreographer then a second one um, then we started making our own clothes with the costumier yeah um, in Ukraine because in Ukraine with the weather and everything they were, they were pretty good at it so we had to explain them all all of our clothes that so we wanted uh, Sexy performing clothes, but warm. And then we started um, thinking about how we could get uh, warm, he- uh, warm air yeah. coming from underneath. Like you walk in, in New York, you know, and you get yeah, this, uh, I know. warm air from the hmm. subway. Yeah. Um, we, we started getting the, the the air from the kitchen uh, on the cabaret scene in Valdezier to go from underneath. So everybody was like. Oh, they're taking off their clothes. How can they do this? It's like minus 20, 20 degrees. No one would realize that it was actually warm air coming out like this. Yeah. Um, That's one of the things that you were able to experiment with in Val d'Isere. Exactly. Yeah, and, and then, then when it was fully, we put it uh, elsewhere. Yeah. And, and am I right in thinking that, because um, I've been to the, uh, the hotel in uh, yeah. Chamonix. It's a spectacular uh, uh, property there. But are you doing one in, um, in Seche Chevalier? Is that a plan? As I, as I'm, as I explained to you, yeah, I mean it's it's an adventure. Uh, everybody sees sees Foy as a big brand, big name now. Yeah. But uh, inside, it's uh, uh, still very um, about uh, human relation, uh, 
a small company. I mean, we're working hand in hand with our managers, directors, and it, we have to go step by step in our development. Right. So <laughs> we uh, actually won um, two uh, competition, one in Serge Chevalier. Right. So we are able to build a project there, and the second one in Samoa, next to the Club Med in, in Samoa. Samoa, okay. Yeah. So it's going to take us a bit of time because uh, it's like uh, the one in Serge Chevalier is more than 50 million euro project. Yep. So ra raising up all this money and everything. But it's still on the cards. It's something that you. Oh, kind we of want to do it. We really do, want yeah. to do it. But um, as when I'm saying family run, the the big thing is, uh, do we, yes or no, want an investment fund to get in our business? Right. And okay. Seriously, yeah. I don't want to. Yeah. And Better to keep it within exactly. your family as it is at the moment. To keep it a bit smaller. Take our yeah. time and such a value will happen. Yeah, because did Marianne say to me yesterday that you you have a brother, there's two yeah, two yeah, sons, yeah. yeah. I don't know where he's he's helping me out though. He's more like in the in the kitchen, more right. discreet. <laughs> right. So but you know, it's a small effectively family run yeah, business yeah. despite the fact there's a lot of properties. But this is one that you're taking on, you know, personally. The thing is, uh, I've been opening all the venues one by one. Right. So okay. I always took at least Oh he's actually there. <laughs> right. Okay. Helping with the prices and stuff. Um, so, um, yeah, you, you said you've been involved in opening them all up. Like, it took me a year to say uh, to open Meribel, then Alpeduest, yeah. then Megev. Yeah. Uh, then I stayed until, uh, what, May in the hotel. Yeah. So I started last year in the construction so site. Right been hiring everybody handling the construction side doing the, this whole adventure and running a hotel was nothing but all business uh, so it was crazy but at the end we made it well yeah still a lot of details to, to handle but we are very happy with it yeah so well it's better cool. to keep it this I way mean, you know I think uh, with with this one it's quite interesting because obviously there's a building here already so with the other folly do they all kind of almost they look exact maybe apart from Chamonix they look exactly the True. same don't they with this, you've taken what you've got here and then turned it into something that works for you, right? True. Yeah. We, yeah, I mean, we had to keep this modern building, but yeah. we had to re reorganize and restyle everything inside. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, best of luck with it all. Uh, so, Ian, I just want just to pick up something. Um, you're saying that you conducted an interview with a bar manager and only realized who he was halfway through the interview. Where have I heard that before? Oh, yeah, it was the ski club chat we had last week, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I did say that we, uh, we've we been known to make mistakes from time to time. That wasn't necessarily a mistake, but, uh, but I suppose so. But no one had told me that uh, he was the, you know, the son of the, uh, the founder. It just sort of came up. And then he said, oh, well, my brother's over there serving chips or whatever he was doing. All right, there you go. Um, a good family thing. Do you think they get to ski much, these uh, family that own the Folly Deuce? Interesting. I think they probably work very hard, uh, for sure. So, probably not that much. And you don't think they're worried that they're going to dilute the brand? Do you think it's only going to get stronger? Yeah, did ask about. I mean, that's all to do with the issue about investment. Because you know, I asked them about the potential hotel project that they're looking to do in Sir Chevalier. They have plans, um, are planning permission to build their own branded hotel there because the one that they uh, took over uh, in uh, Chamonix was an existing hotel in fact it used to be a club med 
club maybe withdrew because it wasn't didn't fit in with their uh, current um, model for the type of properties they like to have. Sorry, and what company was that? Club. <laughs> You're very good. Uh, um, so Folly Deuce took over that place in Chamonix, but the place in Serre Chevalier they want to build themselves, and that requires a lot of money. And so the issue is, do they, you know, bring in outside investors? You know, some big investment company who then maybe that's when the nature of the business, you know, would would change. I mean, already it feels like I don't know if you'd say that's spread thinly, but it's a lot of places to try and um, keep, uh, you know, the standard very high. But uh, you know, one of the things he said was that um, there's actually quite a lot of you know extremely good performers because one of the great things about the Folly Deuce is the the cabaret the outdoor cabaret and all of these performers work on cruise ships or uh, it's that they find it a lot easier to get jobs in the summer than they do in the winter. So actually providing these opportunities for people in the winter, they can still get really good start. Well, this seems like a good point to just interrupt the show and say um, thank you for listening. Thank you to Switzerland for sponsoring us. Um, don't forget in touch with the show. We've still got a few more things to chat about, but we did have a special snow report from uh, our friend of the show, another friend of the show, we've got loads, um, his name is Matt, and he's been to Crans Montana skiing. Let's hear what he has to say about that. Hi, Ian. Hi, Jim. I've just returned from a five-day break in Crans Montana, and as you are now sponsored by Switzerland Tourism, I thought I'd drop you a quick update on the conditions. The snow which fell pre-Christmas has allowed for an excellent festive and New Year period, and the snow reports of powder snow are certainly true on the higher slopes, with most runs holding up pretty well throughout the day. Lower down, it's a different story. With temperatures between 5 and 10 degrees by the afternoon, it's really more like spring and getting quite slushy, with the best conditions in the morning. This is the first time I've visited this resort, and it's absolutely stunning. We stayed in Montana, which is a bit more affordable than the exclusive Crans, with its luxury hotels, chalets, and designer shops. Overall, this is a terrific resort with enough to keep both skiers and boarders interested for a week or two. A few blacks, including the FIS World Cup runs, lots of reds and some fun blues. The lift system gets you up into the mountain quickly enough and you can soon get high for powder. No doubt that more snow will keep everything fresh and improve current conditions, but if you're out there in the next couple of weeks, you should have a great time. Let's talk, let's talk about some serious skiers, Ian. Um, give us your Team GB update. Yeah, well, it's just a small one, really. I mean, I noticed that, um, you know, it, the force is strong in this family. Zoe Atkin uh, and Izzy Atkin. Now, I'm pretty sure that Zoe Atkin is 21 and Izzy Atkin is 16. But as you pointed out earlier, <laughs> you know, mistakes have been made. But they both got podiums in World Cup events in the, uh, in the last month. Uh, Zoe Atkin... Um, first in the half pipe uh, at Copper Mountain and Izzy Atkin uh, third in the big air which is actually in Atlanta in a baseball stadium I think um, but uh, you know there's a, a family to watch you know um, they're obviously very you know, very exciting and a great prospect for uh, you know for Team GB um, moving on to, to Beijing 2022 is that what we're talking about next? Yep. Yeah, you've probably written, it into, calendar, uh, written it into your calendar yep. uh, already. Um, but you know, she won that. So, so, so Izzy won the bronze, one of our medals, 
uh, at uh, Pyeongchang. And, you know, maybe both of them will be on the podium uh, in next time round. And then also, someone who you've mentioned to me before, um, I think maybe you were looking at interviewing them or something like this, a chap called Thomas Gherkin Schofield. Ring any bells? No, it doesn't. But, yeah, I definitely, I definitely mentioned him. OK, well, he, he came fourth in a moguls competition in China, and I think that's the highest, the best ever result for a Brit in a moguls uh, comp. And he might have oh, two well. sisters who also do moguls as well. I'm going to do some research um, on the internet about yeah. that later. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure there are. But, you know, so Team GB, much as we might be bringing in these foreigners, uh, as you refer to them in episode 45, but, you know, that team's getting stronger and stronger. So who knows? We could be uh, fifth in the medal table uh, in Beijing in another few years' time. Yeah, I mean, it's odd, it's odd isn't it, as uh, the UK seems to be um, voting to close our doors more when we seem to be more accepted of foreigners within our sporting uh, teams. Yeah. There you go. That's the way life is. Um, what about reviews? What have we got? There was some feedback from someone. AP Northfields. Yeah. What did he say? Yeah. Uh, well, actually, it was an idea for a future episode. Uh, tweeted us uh, and asked about um, you know something to do uh, something about avalanche uh, safety. Um, don't I get stuck in one. Good idea. Yeah, yep. don't get stuck in one. But um, uh, just thinking about you know maybe we should be talking about it more. We talked about driving on snow, so something about yeah, that's a good safety. idea. I mean, it would be helpful because for Christmas I've got um, a shovel and a probe. I've got a backpack. And I recently bought myself a transceiver. So, you know, knowing how to use all that stuff is uh, the next part of the adventure, right? Did you not have those? Right. You didn't ski off piste before, though, right? And now you're starting to ski off piste. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I wasn't that great a skier at the beginning of last year. It took me a long time to work out. You don't get a lot of opportunity to practice to ski off piste, do you? Um so it took me a long yeah. time to get the hang of it. And you know, what I've done this winter, I'm definitely a lot better than last year. So I'm I'm keen to yeah. explore more. Well, and, you know, finding seems... someone to do it with, you know, you've got to trust someone um, yeah. to do it. My wife's not interested and my children are too small. They've okay. just been buried. Right. What about Dave, um, friend of the show, Dave? Would you would he take you off piece? Oh, I mean, he would take me off piece, but it's a, you know, that's a, a lining of stars. It's not like he's right next door to me. Right. Okay. And, and also, he, he's not—he's not a big hiker. He likes easily accessible off-piste. He said to me that you know, what's okay. he doesn't get the point in walking too far. Right. Well, something else that um, you know could crop up is um, the guys at Ski Weekend, also friends of the show. We've um, you know done a, uh, some interviews with them before about the Oat Route. Um, I guess I'll put a link into the show notes about that. Um, I think they might. Um, I think that's turning into your catchphrase, you isn't it, Ian? Show notes. Yeah, that's your that's your catchphrase on the podcast. I'll put that in the show notes. Well, you know, the, the point of that is, if people want to listen to you know different episodes and they just want to, they don't want to listen to the whole thing and they want to skip through, we, you know, I put in the time codes into the show notes on the website so people can just find that particular bit and go straight to that. Um, that would be the sorry, idea. I interrupted anyway, you. They do, they do, um, you know, lots of uh, work with lots of guides in Chamonix. Maybe we could arrange for you to, to go over there and ski with one of their guides and, uh, well, obviously not use your trapezeiver per se, but um, you know, understand a bit more what it's, what it's for. Well, that's it. It was the greatest present that I hope I never have to use. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Um, uh, I, I actually, I actually am. Oh, sorry, I'll, t- I'll tell you in a minute. You carry on. Well, I'm just going to say we had another comment as well from another friend of the show, <laughs> uh, Mike, uh, just on Snowheads, uh, you know, the forum uh, there, who did say it was another great listen, um, episode 45, and you know that wasn't one that he appeared in, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh that's good to have that uh, feedback as well thanks very much mike i'm gonna say mike that's quite a lackluster um review i think you should try harder next time another great listen you know three words it's not enough try harder please um uh, while, while we're talking about off-piste and chamonix i'm actually i'm, I'm going I'm on, I'm on the valley blanche on monday oh are you i right. am indeed um who are you doing that with I am doing it um, with some people I randomly met uh, on New Year's Eve and uh, I've arranged a guide um, who is a, he's a full on proper, he's a proper guide, you know, he's got all those badges and a bag full of rope yeah. and stuff. And he, um, yeah. our children go to school with him and uh, he's going to take us. Brilliant. Well, you'll love that. I mean, the experience um, of the whole Valley Blanche experience is tremendous, but the bit at the beginning when you go up to the Agri de Midi and you've got all the day trippers there with their you know cameras and this and that who've just gone to you know they think they've gone up Mont Blanc but they're they're going to look at uh, Mont Blanc and you uh, walk out through the ice tunnel onto the arete roped up together you know that is such a thrill it really is it gets me every time oh, I'm already feeling a bit nervous now well that's good apprehension it's great. You know, you look down on the left-hand side as you're walking down that arete and, you know, almost two kilometres uh, directly down. It is a strong motivator to, uh, to make sure that you keep going quickly. Don't fall over, yeah. yeah. What sort of food... What well, sort of food what... to have that in the next episode? Yeah, why not? I'll take my microphone with me and I'll do some recording. That's not a problem. Brilliant. And maybe uh, I'll get some top tips or something from uh, Seb, the, the guide. He's a nice chap. Excellent. What food should I take? What snacks? What's the best snack? Mm, I always take like you know trail mix. Um, you know what I mean, a bunch of peanuts and stuff. Birdseed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Very nutrient dense, um, mm. you know, snack to have with you and water. So not not a pack of crisps and a Mars bar. No, but we all we know all about uh, um, hydration now after your chat um, in episode forty-five. See, I'll, I'll, for I'll be I'll be too too nervous to drink anything, and I'll just uh, dehydrate myself. Just okay, well that'll that'll be that'll be episode forty-seven then in another you know couple of weeks' time. We'll hear about you and the Valley Blanche. We I'll also probably be uh, might have an interview about Lazark's renewable energy and how they uh, how they generate that. How do they generate that? They got a lake. Well, you've had tune in uh, in another two weeks to find out. <laughs> There's a few lakes in the Zark, isn't there? Probably a lake, or is it? Was it water powered from uh, the Isère River down the base of the mountain in Bourg Saint Maurice? Yeah, no spoilers. Or is it a load of treadmills that they get people to run around on, like giant mice? <laughs> Cannot yeah, wait to find to out. Have you already? <laughs> no, I have not. Yeah. I don't listen to anything you send me in. I just pretend to do. <laughs> okay, well, hopefully you'll listen to the Chris Moran stuff uh, when that comes out at some point. I mean, I am editing it, so I will have to listen to it. Right, cool. All right, well, you enjoy your uh, your skiing over the next uh, few weeks and um, 
Yeah, we'll chat again then. And listener, thanks for tuning in. Yep, thanks for tuning in. Um, don't forget, check the show notes and um, tell all your cool ski mates about us. And subscribe. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Ian.